Father, on this Valentine's Day, we just want to recognize you as our first and greatest love. Pray that you would receive our heart's affection for you today, but that also we would receive your deep affection and your love for us, your children, today. So we pray that we would honor you and hear from you and be connected to you today. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, before I begin my message today, I wanted to uh, just share a short encouragement as well as a, a quick announcement. So my encouragement is I wanted to encourage all of you that are watching the live stream live, okay, right now as we're speaking. For those that are watching afterwards, no condemnation, but I did want to encourage you to try to make it a, a consistent and dedicate this time for the Lord to really watch this live, especially during this time when we don't have to. You know, I felt tempted to do that in my previous church where we're doing the live stream. It's easy just to get busy doing other things and just to watch whenever you have time and whatever is convenient for you. But I think that's something that we need to do during the season until we can get back meeting into person is to really guard and protect this time and to keep it sacred and holy for the Lord, to really dedicate ourselves. So we really want to encourage you to watch the live stream live to guard this time. Uh, secondly, I wanted to have a quick announcement. So next Sunday, I won't be here. And in fact, each month, I'll have uh, short times where I won't be here that I wanted to just remind everyone that I'm a part of another ministry too, Standing Stone. And uh, I wanted to just reserve some time for that ministry as well, as long as I, as well as ministering together with you at THM, uh, the EM. So I wanted to keep you aware of that and to keep that communication going as well. Well, today I wanted to share with you a passage that um, was been on my heart this week, and it's a familiar passage. Last week we looked at Joshua 1.9, which is a familiar passage, and before we jump into it, I just wanted to give a word about that. I think there's a lot of passages that we have that are dear to us and that we've heard a lot, and it's easy to have this, oh, I've heard that before, and then you kind of just shut yourself out, and I really wanted to... Um, give an encouragement to not do that, to always keep the Bible fresh and to new. And one way I do that is that you don't read the Bible for information. You read the Bible for transformation. And I think when you do that, you can always keep scripture fresh and new. Even if you've read the passage that we're looking at today, I've literally probably thought about, quoted, or read more than a thousand times. Literally, more than a thousand times. So it'd be easy for me to come and to look at this passage and to think, oh, I know this passage. I already know what it's about. But when I come to scripture, I don't read for that purpose. I don't read for information. If it's for information that I've already had, then it's easy for me to just read it as a, as a habit. But as we look at it, I pray that it would be fresh and new for you today as well, as it was for me this week, even after so many times. So the passage we want to look at is in Philippians uh, chapter 4, verses 4 through 7. Okay, and verses 6 and 7 is probably one is the most famous, but we'll start with verses 4 and 5. So let's look at that. Verses 4 and 5 says, Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I will say rejoice. Let your gentle spirit be known to all people. The Lord is near. So it's interesting when I was looking at verse 4, and verse 4 is one that I've memorized and, and committed to memory and thought of very often about this idea of the command that Paul gives here to rejoice always. 
And it's interesting, I was meditating on this verse, a song came to mind, a song that I heard very long time. You might have heard it as a child. You might have heard it, you know, in Sunday school. So if you're familiar with it, uh, you can sing along with me. I've got the joy, 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 joy down in my heart. Where? Down in my heart. Where? Down in my heart. I've got the joy, 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 joy down in my heart. Down in my heart to stay. And it made me so happy, so very happy that I had the love of Jesus in my heart. I was so surprised when I was remembering that song, just how happy it made me. My heart was just really, literally full of joy. And it kind of struck me like, why did that simple like children's song that I haven't heard in years and years and years make me so joyful? And then it struck me, I think it's because I'm so hungry for joy. And I think a lot of us are in the same type of feeling or situation. I think we're hungering for joy. There's so much that's stealing away our joy. There's so much that's robbing us of joy. There's so many things to not be joyful about. There's so many things that we're not happy about and not glad about that I think our souls are very hungry for joy. It's like if you haven't eaten for a really long time, you, whether it's just a day or you're fasting or whatever, but I know that when I've had those times where I've not eaten like all day because I was really busy and you're really, really hungry and you have a meal and you taste it and it's so good. It's like, it could be a simple meal, but it's like, this is the best thing that I've ever had. You're in a situation, it could be just really whatever. But I think that that's where our souls are right now, that we're hungry for joy. And when we look at this command, and it is a command, this verse 4, when Paul says, rejoice in the Lord always, and again I say rejoice, it is a command. And what strikes me is a couple things. First is, why do we have to have this command? Why does Paul even have to give this kind of command? When you think about children, children don't need this command. If you look at a child like this two or three or whatever years old, they don't need this command. You don't have to tell them to rejoice and be joyful. They're just joyful all the time, just naturally. In fact, they have to taught, be taught not to be joyful. And we were all like that. We were all like that as kids. We were just naturally joyful. This is the way the Lord made us naturally to be filled with joy. This is the way the Lord is. The Lord is naturally joyful. He is joyful at all times. He's never going to command you something that he doesn't already do. That's the reason he commands these things, to get a picture of who he is. So when he says to rejoice always, it's because he's rejoicing always. That's his nature. That's who he is. He's like that all the time. And he wants us to share in that, to be like him, to be that also, to rejoice always. It's part of who we are, to rejoice. But unfortunately... As we grow up and life just kind of beats, us that, beats that out of us, we do need this command. And I think we also need this command because we don't have our conscious minds to think about this to rejoice. And when I think about that, it's because when we look at this, and even if we think it and recognize it, it's a command, we don't take this command seriously. right? When I think about this command to rejoice in the Lord always, I think it's like an extra. It's kind of like dessert. Like, I don't have to have it. It's okay. It's just extra. It's just an extra blessing that I get to have. 
Other commands we take more seriously, like go out into all the world and to make disciples or to meditate on God's word or to pray or whatever, whatever. We take these other commands seriously, like we need to follow these commands. We need to listen and obey and follow these commands. This command, not so much, not so much. We think it's optional, right? But I think when you look at this, and it's interesting what Paul says, because when you look at the Bible, the Bible is very intentional. You look at Jewish literature, there's no um, haphazard way that they put things together. There's a very thought-out process, the way that they uh, be able to write and the way that they're able to teach. So when you look at things like, for example, repetition. Repetition means something. When Jesus says, verily, verily, or truly, truly, I say to you, he's emphasizing something. You know, when we look at some things repeated, it's for added emphasis. And it's not just like one time and then two times. It's multiplied, multiplied. So, for example, like when you think about an earthquake, they have that Richter scale. And Richter scale, if you have like a, a 2.0 or a 3.0, it's not just one time more, right? It's 10 times more, right? Every time you have a, another one, it's like 10 times more. That's what's happening here in this verse. Look, he says, rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I will say rejoice. When Paul is repeating it, he's repeating it because it's magnified. It's magnified because he knows we'll have the tendency to not take this seriously, to not think that this is weighty, to not think that this is that important. But he is saying, you're, I know you're going to be like that. The Lord knows you're going to be like that. So he says it twice. You need to rejoice. Take this seriously. There's not many times when he repeats things twice. You know, when we look at the Bible, there's not, there's sometimes we'll repeat two times, sometimes three times, like holy, holy, holy. That's one of the rare times you'll see three times, right? Because it's that important, that magnified. So when Paul says in verse four, two times, we need to rejoice, we need to pay attention. We need to pay attention, and we need to do this. We need to rejoice. I think when we look at this, we're going to see why it's really important. Let's go on and to look at verse 6. Okay, So verse 6 is one that, I, like I said, I've looked at thousands of times, right? Verse 6 says, Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything by prayer and pleading with thanksgiving, let your request be known to God. Okay, and maybe it's because I've been anxious a lot that this is always on my mind and God and the Holy Spirit reminds me of this verse, but I've thought about this verse so many times. But when I look at this verse, some things make sense to me, some things don't make sense to me. So when you look at it, there's several things that, yeah, if you're feeling anxious, this is what you should do. You should pray, right? And you should Plead to God, and you should let your requests be known to God. All those things seem natural to me. Those make sense. When you're feeling anxious, you should be praying. You should be talking to God. You should be letting him know what's on your heart. You should be letting him know all those things that are burning you and causing you anxiousness. That's good, and you should be doing that. But do you know the one thing in that verse that doesn't make sense to me? Thanksgiving. Thanksgiving. Prayer and pleading with thanksgiving. And when I think about that, 
That kind of doesn't make sense to me because why are you praying in the first place? You're praying because you're in an anxious situation. You're feeling overwhelmed. You're feeling like all of these things, the weight of the world is on your shoulders and you're feeling anxious and worried and fearful and all of these things. So what do you have to be thankful for? If you think about Paul when he's writing this letter, where is he writing it from? He's writing from prison. He was he was in prison. He was locked in. You know, we talk about our quarantine and being locked. That's not the real locked in. He was really locked in. He really could not go anywhere. And you think about his situation, what did he have to be thankful for? And I will look at us and I feel like this is one of the keys to Philippians 4, 6, to not be anxious about anything, is to think about this idea of, being, of having uh, Thanksgiving. And when I was thinking about it, the Lord made a connection that I had never, ever seen before. And the connection is actually, verse 6 is actually connected to the verses we just looked at. Let's look at those again. Verse 4 says, rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I say, rejoice. Did you know that you can't do verse 6 if you don't do verse 4? If you're not making it a habit to rejoice at all times, then when those situations where... It's not going to be rejoiceful. It's not going to be a pleasant situation. It's going to be hard for you to have Thanksgiving. You need to develop this habit where you're rejoicing all the time. Not just when things are good, but when things are bad. This is the times when you need to practice verse 4. When you're practicing verse 4, you can experience verse 6. Verse 5 shows you what you can be thankful for. Look at verse 5. It says, let your gentle spirit be known to all people. Because why? Because the Lord is near. We have to see that our rejoicing, the word rejoice means originally it's full of joy, full of joy. And when you think about joy versus happiness, joy is something that's internal, that's not dependent on what's happening on the outside. When, we're, when Paul says being full of joy, he's talking about inside. Why do I mention that? It's because when we think about our source of our joy, it's from the Lord's presence, and you can have that all the time. All the time. I was trying to practice this verse, and uh, the Lord was really convicting me of not taking it seriously. And so um, I set out to do on a daily basis, I try to practice uh, Psalm 118. It says, this is the day the Lord has made. I will rejoice and be glad in it. This is the day. Every day. When you wake up again, this is the day the Lord has made. And then I'm going to rejoice in it. Then the next day. This is the day that the Lord has made. I will rejoice and be glad in it. And so I tried to make that a part of every day. So I would spend time with the Lord each morning with the conviction. I've said, I'm going to rejoice today. And so when I'm going on this commitment, and if you ever try to do anything like this, you have different thoughts that come into your mind, right? Okay. What if I don't have anything to be joyful about? What am I going to do? What am I going to say? Am I just going to sit before the Lord? And that's when he brought verse 5 to mind. He says, if the one thing, if you can't think of anything to be joyful about, you can always be joyful that God is here with you. You can always, be, that's my default, right? So if I didn't have anything, I'm going to do that. In the minimum, I can do that every day, regardless of my circumstance, regardless of my situation. I can always rejoice that God is with me that God is present, that God loves me, he is with me, he is in my heart, that I can rejoice of those things. But do you know what happened? 
Do you know what happened once I started doing this? Once I started um, making it a practice to rejoice? All of the things that, even the things that I was worried about, I started to become thankful for. All the things that I couldn't recognize before were starting to come out. Things that I didn't even recognize or feel thankful for, I started feeling thankful for. A good analogy of this is like, let's say like there's a day that's really overcast, really cloudy and dark, and I'm grateful in Southern California we don't have that a lot. A good friend of mine, they moved to Seattle, and he was sharing with me how they would have weeks at a time where they wouldn't see the sun. Weeks at a time, I was like, I was already getting depressed listening to him. That weeks at a time where it's just dark, it's just clouds filling the sky and you cannot see the sun and it's all dark, it's all gloomy. And I thought, wow, that's so depressing. But then the Lord was speaking to me. He said, you know when it's really dark outside, when it's really cloudy and you can't see the sun? Did you know the sun is still there? Did you know the sun is still shining just as brightly as it is on a 101 degree day? It's exactly the same. The sun is no different. Just because the clouds are covering and you can't see it, it doesn't mean the sun is not exactly the same as on a sunny day. What's happening though? I think the clouds are covering it up and we can't see. I think this is what anxiousness does. I think this is what anxiousness does. Anxiousness are like the dark clouds. It's preventing us from seeing the sun. We need to see the sun. The S-U-N, but the S-O-N. We need to see the sun. And when we see the sun, our hearts are full of thanksgiving. I started doing that more and more, and I started recognizing that I was just thankful for everything. Like the little things that you just totally ignore, that you take for granted, I'm, I just felt like taking a breath, and I felt I'm so grateful that I get to take that breath. I'm so grateful for being in this house. I'm so grateful that I have the Bible on my phone. I'm so grateful for all of these things that we just feel like we take for granted. And when I started this process of being daily, focusing on being grateful and rejoicing, and think, it changed my heart and changed my perspective. And like I said, the things that I felt anxious about, I was actually seeing God in it and start seeing that I could be thankful even amidst those things. If we want to experience Philippians 4.6, we need to do Philippians 4.4. We need to take it seriously. We need to rejoice. And sometimes we just need to give ourselves permission. We need to give ourselves permission to feel joyful. Because sometimes when the circumstances don't feel like that, sometimes when people are suffering, sometimes when things are difficult, you don't feel right rejoicing. Do you feel like that sometimes when things are just really hard on the outside and people are going through a lot of difficult times? It doesn't feel right to rejoice. But I think Philippians 4.4, you can take courage and give yourself permission. The Lord says it's okay. You can still rejoice. You can still rejoice. Notice what he says in verse 4. He says, rejoice in the Lord. You rejoice in the Lord. He is the source of the rejoicing. So even on the outside, if it's not going good, you have the source of where your joy comes from. You know, it's the difference between, I think, I like to use this analogy between joy and happiness, right? I said joy is something internal. Happiness is more external based on that. So it's kind of like being a thermostat 
or a thermometer. Okay, it's like being a thermostat or a thermometer. Thermostat, you set the temperature and it stays at that temperature regardless of what's happening on the outside. You set your temperature. A thermometer, whatever's happening on the outside, it changes. Right? It goes up, it goes down. When the temperature outside gets hotter, the thermometer goes up, it goes down, it goes down. I think God wants us to be a thermostat, not a thermometer. He wants us to have joy that is not affected by the things that are going on on the outside. We need to have this joy. We can't be like a thermometer that every time something happens on the external, our emotions and our spirit and our thoughts and our things go all over the place. We have to stay focused, and we have to be able to maintain this. And it's interesting because the next verse in verse 7 gives you the result. When we do this, when we, verse, when we do verse 4 and 5 and 6, this is the result. It says, and the peace of God which surpasses all comprehension will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. And it's interesting when you look at this because it's a peace that goes beyond all understanding, which means it doesn't, it, it goes contrary to the things that are happening around you, right? This is the kind of peace that the Lord can give. And I've experienced this peace. You've probably experienced this peace. This is the wonderful peace. But the part that really strikes me is the second half of verse 7, that this peace will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. Now, why does Paul say that? Why does Paul say that the peace will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus unless what? Why do you need guarding? Unless you're under attack. Unless you're under attack. And I think our peace is under attack. And our joy is under attack. And it's something we need to guard. You need to protect your peace. You know, when you look at the news, when you look at things going around you, it comes and attacks your mind and your heart and your spirit. It comes and wants to uh, take away the joy and the peace that the Lord wants for you. And I think when we look at this verse, especially the second half of verse 7, we need to be steadfast and say, I want to protect my peace. The Lord wants me to be at peace and to be joyful at all times. And this is my prayer for us, is that we'd be able to experience that, that we would have this joy, that we would experience that song, that I have the joy, joy, joy down in my heart, and that we would have that in abundance. Why don't you pray with me? Father, we thank you that you are the source of our joy and our peace. I pray that you would help us to take Philippians 4, 4 seriously. We would have this on our heart and our mind that we want to rejoice at all times, to be joyful. And I pray that you, Holy Spirit, would come in to protect our minds and our hearts from the things that the enemy would want to come to steal and take away our joy and our peace. So thanks that we have it secure in you. I pray that you would come and to fill our hearts with that. In Jesus' name.